Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. So today I'm speaking to Kevin Walsh. He's a musician from County Cork and he's recently released a debut um, single and a video. Kevin, do you want to tell us a little bit about your video and your single? The single is called Embrace the World and it's an aid of the National Autism Charity As I Am. It was released back in April and it's a big super group arrangement like kind of band-aid and women in harmony like you've all these different singers on it you've Emma Langford and Mark Daly and Caroline Kay and a whole host of other people so you've everything ranging from like the rock style to the musical theatre style to the folk style and it reached number one on iTunes on the day it was released. That's fantastic congratulations. So I'm um, very happy about that and Two weeks ago, we released the video on social media and again, very successful, very happy with the reception. It's gotten about 17,000 combined views across Facebook and Instagram. Oh my God. Wow. That's crazy. That's amazing. And again, that's another large cast arrangement because you've um, about 20 odd main characters and then you've extras. Probably double the cast size of Avengers, I'd say. <laughs> so you got one up on Avengers in that way. Yeah. <laughs> Loving it. No, I love Avengers, but um, that's the, the bar. They set a very high bar when it comes to scale and numbers. Tell me a little bit about what kind of influences do you have musically? So... This song has a little bit of a musical theatre vibe off it, I think. Is that is that right? Yeah, I'm very influenced by musical theatre. I did a lot of musical theatre when I was training for my BMOS and did a lot of the shows there. So it's very much musical theatre is a key part of that. And just the um, that sense of drama and theme in the lyrics and also in the fact that it's a super group arrangement because that's the really cool thing that they do in musicals where you get the finale of act one or act two where the whole cast comes out and sing about what they've learned over the course of the musical yeah um i'm wondering like there seems to be a kind of a theme throughout the few things you've said so far about there being kind of a group of people or a collection of people that come in together. Is there something in kind of the sense of community in around creating music or creating a music video that's important to you? Definitely. And that's the point I thought most about today before coming on this podcast is like, it takes a village, it takes a village to release a song or a video. And I think collaboration is very important because like, it's well and good, especially in this day and age where anyone can produce a reasonable sounding record from their bedroom. I think the next step, the most important step is to be able to collaborate with people because that helps get your name more out there and it helps the people you're collaborating with in turn. And plus like some of the people on this record, like Emma Langford, I saw her when she was starting out and always wanted to work for her. So it was a dream to be able to have her as one of the many people on this record. 
Yeah, Emma's great. She's a beautiful singer, a beautiful songwriter. If, if you haven't checked her out, guys, uh, Emma Langford, you got to check her out. She's a gorgeous uh, folk musician um, from Limerick. And we filmed her scene for the video in Limerick too, just across from King John's Castle. Oh, fabulous. So you kind of travelled all around to make it work. Yeah. Growing up, like, with music, were you into music at a very early age? And, like, how accessible was music for you as an autistic person? How accessible? We had to take a lot of roundabouts to get to where I needed to go. Because we did music therapy and music classes. Well, I say classes, informal, like, singing choir sessions in school. So music was always something that was very much encouraged in education but insofar as getting access to the more formalized strand of training was a lot harder just because when you're going to a special needs school and you're in a much smaller community here I am going on about community again you're in a much smaller bubble so you don't get as many opportunities to say find out about a local performing school from another parent. Okay, I see what you mean. So you didn't go to mainstream school, which means you did miss out on some of the mainstream activities that other kids may have been participating in because you were in a smaller, smaller community, I suppose. Yeah, in and I mainstreamed eventually when I was 16 and the music then... Now, I'm saying music was very much practiced in the special needs school as well, especially they had me leading the singing sessions when I got a bit older and started taking up guitar. And when I went to mainstream, like the people knew going in that music was something they really liked to do. And that's a scene we depict in the video as well when I'm playing the piano for the class for the first time. And how, what kind of music were you doing? Were you singing? Was it? It was just a little, like a sing song with the guitar in the circle and uh, a lot of fun. And the thing I always found fascinating along with growing up as an autistic person is that it's a spectrum and you've different levels of verbosity in different people. But what I found very consistent was people always responded very well to music. Like, you might have someone that doesn't really have any language, but they're able to sing along with the words of their favourite song. That's so fascinating. I mean, you know, for anyone who doesn't know much about autism, like, they may have heard, you know, dementia patients responding well and remembering things that they wouldn't have remembered through music, you know. There's something that the way music reacts in our brain neurologically that that kind of brings a new side to us out. Mm -hmm. And just for people who, like, you know, may not be super aware of the ins and outs of autism. Maybe you could explain a little bit about that and how did autism affect you growing up and how does it, what what are some of the challenges you have faced? It's tricky to describe in a lay person's terms, (laughs) but um, the best way that I can describe it is there's a triad of areas of difficulties with socialisation, with thinking and with sensory issues so that can be anything to do with touch or sound or taste okay so would that be like maybe 
dietary needs would be more difficult because it's difficult to find things that you that you can actually eat because you have oh, yeah. to them. And that was a very big thing when I was growing up, especially from like the age of three to five when you start transitioning over from the liquids to the salads. And I wasn't verbal for ages either. Okay, so you you started to speak a little bit later than uh, a yeah, typical well, child. Yeah, well, apparently I sang first, or so people tell me. Wow. That's Again, nice. we're back to, we're back to... And just with emotions as well, um, just processing emotions can be very difficult even still. It's kind of like the emotional dial is turned up to 11. Okay, so do you find your emotions are exaggerated compared to yeah. a neuro- neuro- neurotypical person? Yeah. And then are you able to express that emotion? I'd have to use some calming techniques to get it down to a level that's appropriate. Yeah, because I know some people might think that an autistic person doesn't have emotion because some autistic people aren't don't express emotion yeah. or don't react the way a neurotypical person would. So it doesn't mm-hmm. present itself in the expected way of a neurotypical person because an yeah. autistic brain is very different. Yeah. And they've done studies on this. Like you might have heard of Temple Grandin. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And she did a conference in Cork about six years ago. And she showed as part of the presentation MRI scans of her brain and versus the neurotypical brain. And the centers in her brain around emotion and language are more um, differently shaped. Okay. So if this so, is actually to do with like the size of the muscles in the brain. Okay, so were they more active or less active? Yeah, uh, more active. Okay, interesting. It must it must feel extremely frustrating at times when you're trying to express yourself, but you're not expressing yourself in a way somebody might expect and they're not understanding you. That must be yeah. very frustrating. Yeah. In which case, either two things happen. One, you either like bottle it up and two, you go home and then your family get the brunt of it and what they call a meltdown. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's understanding. I think like even neurotypical people, we yeah. always let, let everything out the most with our family because yeah. they're stuck with us. Like they kind of know that they're going to just like, yeah. they're going to take it, you know, even if there's a big, big row or whatever. But um, mm-hmm. so with all that in mind, it makes so much sense that community is so important to you and that music is so important to you because it gives you access to a community of people where you have yeah. a common interest. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like an unspoken language almost music, isn't it? Oh, totally. And I think can convey a lot more ourselves through music than what you'd think. Yeah. And I think uh, think a neurotypical person could relate to that in a small way by sometimes performers say that they feel more free and more themselves when they're on stage performing. So maybe that's a nice little way for them to get a little bit of an understanding of the autistic brain. But even still, finding the community isn't always easy, even when you are practicing music, because, like, as you know yourself, it's a very competitive industry. Yeah. And very kind of 
like, especially like I started out in the musical theatre circles and that's kind of more competitive anyway because you're competing for roles and then there are certain types of roles where actually I think kind of doing this more kind of artist producer stuff is a lot more fulfilling because I can take because I can take the parts of it that I like and then mold the piece of clay myself. Yeah, it kind of gives you a sense of control in a way. Yeah. That makes that makes complete sense. Would you do you write your own songs? Like did you write Embrace the World? Did you work with collaborators or how did that work? No, I wrote Embrace the World myself. I took up popular songwriting as a module in the final year of my degree because you could take a free choice module and mine was to take the songwriting with the Who pop did you degree. Have? Who did you have? Chris Horn. Oh, very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing songwriting as well in the in that course, in the popular music course, and it's great. I love it. I have I've had Anya so far, but I think I might have might have Chris next next year. Yeah, very interesting course. And very early on, again, like most things, I like the freedom to write and how I can take like little pieces of myself and make characters in these songs and the way that people would respond to it. Like the second song I wrote in that course I actually had in a musical at the Everyman about this 22 four years ago you actually had it in a musical theater show yeah oh fantastic and that's going to be one of the next songs I'm bringing out in an EP which I'm hoping to get out around November I'm in the process of recording vocals at the moment fantastic and are you recording at home yourself or who are you working with in the studio I'm home recording very good. And did you learn to do that in college as well? Yes, and I had the tr- I had the tracks, the instrument tracks produced for another project I did a while back. Fantastic. So you kind of are halfway there. Yeah, like, third of the way there. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. And when do you plan, or when are you thinking of releasing the next one? In around November. Okay, that seems like a, a decent goal in mind. Yeah. Probably end the next single in October to build up to that. Excellent. Okay, so you're going to release an EP, is it? Yeah. Okay, excellent. And so how many songs will be on the EP? Three, but technically before, because one will be a remix. That's cool. You'll have Embrace, Embrace the World will be on it and two others as well. That sounds great. That sounds excellent. It's really exciting, actually, for any artist to... to be recording and like working towards a release date it's just it's, yeah there's something magical about kind of seeing your your dream come true in an audio platform mm-hmm. and especially like I've learned the thing I've learned this year especially since releasing a race world is you have to keep the tap running yeah and why is that do you think because like you bring something out and because there because there's so much music released these days that kind of everything has its finite lifespan anyway. Yeah. And it's not kind of like, say, maybe like in the 70s where you could bring out a single, then maybe wait a year for the next single. And plus, as an independent, you kind of have to keep just chipping away anyway and keeping it staggered out so that 
you're not feeling a sense of lull because when you feel the sense of lull, you kind of tend to want to stop working. I hear what you're saying. So you, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like something you have to exercise and practice as well, isn't it? It's like yeah. If you don't keep on exercising the tool of songwriting, you kind yeah. of don't, you kind of regress a bit. You kind of have to keep on practicing it to stay loose and free and kind of ready to go whenever yeah. it needs to be. Oh, totally. And it's, it swings in roundabouts as well, because like you, you can go from performing it on Virgin Media to kind of trying to back square and figuring out, okay, how am I going to promote the next release? Yeah. And do you, do you try to come up with like a different kind of marketing plan and things like that each time? Or have you got kind of a one that works or how does it work for you? I'm still figuring it out. I think that's what we're all doing. We're all just yeah. figuring it out. <laughs> So it was the musical, the musical theatre degree that you did, not the classical degree in in CSM. No, it was the classical degree. Oh, it was the classical degree. Okay. They, did, they didn't have the year I started was the last year when it was just the BMOS degree. Oh, I know what you're saying. So you did in the... 2011. Okay. And when I was in second year, was the first year of the pop and the drama degree. Yeah. And. They only introduced a musical theatre degree two years ago. So, but by the time I was in fourth year, it was the pop degree gone to third year. So you could take the free choice module then. I see what you mean. So you, you kind of benefited from all of them, <laughs> didn't yeah, you? Yeah, just what, about. What was your favourite module? I loved harmony. Really? Okay, so you're a music yeah. theory nerd. I loved the theory performance development as well and for those that's where I kind of got my start learning how to produce self-devised performances and learning about the kind of production process involved. Oh cool so what what did you do in performance development then? What subject was it or kind of what was it? Well it was to do with singing. Okay so you did singing, singing with one of the singing teachers was it? Yeah. I was okay. singing. I was singing anyway, but part of it was putting on these self-devised performances. Yeah. So it was as much about the arrangement and the putting together of it. Yeah, there's a lot that you learn actually within just going to your singing lessons. You do learn about how to transcribe songs, how to kind of arrange them, how to do lead yeah. sheets. You know, the organisational aspect of arranging yeah. rehearsals and gig and. We all know, yeah. especially in college bands where there's like eight or nine people in a band, like it's a nightmare to re- to organise rehearsals sometimes with everyone's schedules. But we manage it somehow. <laughs> oh, stop. I'm in a cover band with four and that's tricky enough as it is. So I can't what? imagine it with nine. What's your cover band? Tell us about that. Um, It's called A Taste of Meatloaf. It's a meatloaf tribute. One of my big influences as well. I'm very much influenced by that kind of classical rock. That's kind the of classical hybrid. rock. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Oh my God. And do you gig around much? Do you gig in pubs or weddings? Or um, kind of... We're in the process of, we're going to do pubs. Yeah. So you're getting your, you're getting your yeah. stuff together so that you can go, yeah. go out there and just do it. Mm-hmm. That's great. And that's a lot of fun. A lot of fun. And, Again, like I would have done a lot of the charting out and because we're performing to pre-recorded tracks, learning how to work with a click and just all those little details that are just 
so important these is that's the other thing I was going to get across to you as well. I think the most important thing any musician can do is to learn to be as rounded as possible. Because we're talking, we're talking about singing and songwriting, but um, the, like having good theory helps you put lead sheets together. Yeah. Because you know about chords and chord progression. It helps with arranging because you're able to figure out how one chord goes to the next. Having a good musicianship and a good ear helps you to transcribe better. Yeah. And even just to have, like, to, to kind of be a more active member within a band setting. Do you know, cause yeah. sometimes singers, sometimes singers who don't know anything about that stuff end up kind of getting left out with certain types of conversations in a band because, like, the instrumentalists know what chords they're playing and stuff because they're, uh, they're playing an instrument and they can yeah. see what chords they're playing. But, you know, a singer is just singing the melody. So it, it's really, it's really, really, really good for for singers, I think, to, in particular, to be more well-rounded and kind of be able to do a little bit of everything, you know, so they can be a bit more of an active member. And it helps you as well take more charge of all this organisation stuff that goes on behind the scenes. Yeah, there's always one person in the band that's like good, that's like the person that, that organises the stuff, like, you know, does that, somebody has to be good at that, like, yeah. you know, delegate the jobs out. So when you're a cover band, do you kind of have the jobs delegated out? Who does what? It's mainly the guitarist and myself deal with the technical aspects of it. But I'm just talking about even in general, even going back to how Embrace the World was organised. Yeah. Because that was just a case of me sending out emails to the likes of Emma and Co. asking if they'd sing on the song. And you'd have the rough piano and vocal demo recording so that they can hear it and get an idea of it. Yeah, I think... There's a lot of kind of, I think maybe bravery, I don't know if that's too strong a word, but um, involved in actually putting yourself out there and actually like sometimes you're messaging people to like be part of things and they don't always say yes. So like it's um, it's so lovely when things actually come together and people want to be involved in a project, you know. It's kind of a case of you ask 50 to hear back from five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 100% true. Fact. I was sending around emails last night to try and get it placed on ads for synchronization. Very good. Okay. Do some of the proceeds of the song go to charity? Kind of, is there like a, a connection there? Yes, the proceeds of the song go to As I Am. Okay. And it's available to download on Bandcamp. Yeah. And Bandcamp is the one I'm pointing people to because that's where you can actually download it. And there's a piano vocal version with just myself too, which I love documenting the process of things. Yeah. Kind of, it's, a, it's a holdover from college. So mm-hmm. I have this piano vocal version as well that reflects how the song would have sounded when I first wrote it. I love that. Going back to like how it originally kind of was yeah. birthed in a way. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's so nice. And just for anyone who doesn't know, um, what is As I Am? As I Am is the National Autism Charity of Ireland. They were set up in 2014 to provide community and empowerment to the autism community in Ireland. And what makes them such a great charity is a lot of their board members are autistic. 
they're very much from a self-empowerment point of view. And I, it was actually through their work that I got braver talking about it myself. Okay. And were you a bit nervous to tell people that you were autistic before or? Yeah. Yeah. And why was that, do you think? Um, just the fear of being treated differently. If you had a piece of advice to give to the listeners who, um, neurotypical listeners, what could they do to educate themselves about autism? And, you know, if there was something, piece of advice you could give them that kind of would help kind of bridge the gap between neurotypicals and neurodivergent people, what would it be? Um, I think it's to really tap into empathy. Because as we were saying earlier, like some of the degrees and thoughts between autistic people and neurotypical people are very similar. There might just be differences in the level of how that's expressed. Yeah. Um, Like we both, like you and I both know what it's like to come home after like a bad day at college or work and take it out on people. Of course, yeah. And just checking it's just checking in as well, just making sure that people feel included. Yeah, I think that's that's super important. Um, I myself have actually learned a lot. I've done a lot of research about autism over the last few years, um, especially because I work with kids and, and you know, I, I teach singing. So I kind of wanted to understand different types of people more so that I could provide better service for them and understand them better but I think um I think what you said about empathy is a really valid point and I think if people just had more empathy in general like like for example for example um I don't know say if somebody was kind of came across as serious in a situation where a neurotypical person might expect them to be a bit more excitable um and they might go oh god they're very serious or something but instead of thinking that, why, like, why can't you not just be like, okay, that's that's what they, that's how they're responding today because of every, whatever reason. And like for me, we shouldn't have to say whether we're autistic or not because I think people should try to be empathetic with everybody. And like somebody, somebody who's neurotypical could be having a bad day, so they might react in a way that's maybe a little bit unusual. Exactly. But if your understanding of that shouldn't matter whether you have a label or not. And that's why I was very particular about having these different timbres of voices on the song. Yeah. I read that. I think I might have read that on an Imro article or something about the song, about there being so many different types of voices. Yeah. You're in kind of, it's kind of this inclusion idea, which is so important. Um, I think everybody, if you don't know much about um, neurodivergent people, people who are on the spectrum, definitely go and do a little bit of research because it, like, you'll actually learn a lot about yourself in the process as well. And you'll learn a lot about the people around you just from trying to understand um, the different types of minds that there are in the world, really. Definitely, definitely. So is there anything else that you want to cover before we finish up today? So... Um... Just to cap it off, the you can download Embrace the World on Bandcamp and you can find the music video on your standard social media, Facebook, YouTube, 
Instagram. The pages are called Embrace the World EP because the EP is going to be called Embrace the World because that's the title of the EP. Yeah, that's that's clever. It's always good to keep the same names across all the, yeah. the platforms so people don't get confused. Mm-hmm. Very good. Well, listen, thank you so much for your time today. It was absolutely lovely speaking to you. Um, I'll add your links and everything into the description. 